2020 has been nasty, no matter which way you look at it. And I would love this morning to bring you a word and say, the Lord says everything's going to be perfect here on here forth. But I've been praying and asking the Lord and saying, Lord, what does 2021 look like? What do we need to be doing now for the new year? How are we going to deal with 2021? And God's put something in my heart and been bubbling along there for oh, several weeks now, since November already. And I want to share it with you this morning. So get your notebooks, get your pens out. You're going to need to make some notes. Um, I've got two boys and uh, they've been out of university now for two years, thereabouts. And um, they've got nice jobs. But when I go think back of their university days, Claire and I used to get the dreaded phone call. Typically, be late at night, assignment was due midnight, and they had to get this thing in, and they were panicking, and they hadn't finished their report, and they had 3,000 words to write, or 10,000 words, whatever it was, and they were panicking, and sometimes they had big crocodile tears, tears running down their cheeks. Dad, help me. I'm not going to make it. I'm failing. How can I do this? I don't understand the work. How do they expect me to do this and do that? And especially those team projects, the ones where you had to work in groups. Oh, he hasn't delivered. And now if they'd have done their job properly, I could do this. And the, the emotion was roaring and they wanted to cave in and quit and give it up. And I'm, I'm out of here. And I had to phone in, or they phoned me and I'd have to give them wise words. And as a parent, my heart would break. I just wanted to say to them, listen, boys, give me your project. I'll sort it for you as if I could do their work. Uh, and I, I couldn't solve their problem. I, I wanted to say, I'll phone the university and I'll tell them to give you a deadline extension. I will tell them off. I will tell that professor to get his act together. And I wanted to, as, I wanted to protect my boys. And as a father of the church and looking at our church here, I see the stress that you guys have been under. I've spoken to loads of you over the last months and I see the mental attack that's on your minds and on your physical bodies and even the bereavement and the stress of not being near loved ones and loved ones who have been sick and even have passed away. And as a parent and as the father of the church, you, you want to cry. I want help. I want to sort them out. I'm going to just take the devil and I'm going to shake him. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to sort everything and I'll take the magic wand and I'll make all your problems go away. And as I was praying, I said, Lord, how do I do that? And he said, when I wanted you to share this with them. So the Apostle Paul was not unlike, he was just like that actually, very similar. He was a father of multiple churches. He was an apostle. So he established multiple churches all around Asia Minor. Uh, he also had some spiritual sons. And when they contacted him and when he saw problems, he'd write letters to them, encouraging them, giving them advice, trying to sort out those problems. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 books or letters that are in our Bibles, they're called books, and uh, there's 13 of them. I'm sure he wrote a lot more than that, but the Holy Spirit inspired ones that are in our Bible, there's 13 of them. And most of them are written to churches, like the book of Ephesians. We wrote to that, in fact, when he said, dear Ephesians, he actually left a gap there so they could pass around from church to church to church, basically photocopy it or move it on if they had photocopiers, and, and get the word of God out there. And so out of those 13 letters, nine of them were written specifically to churches. But there were three letters 
that weren't, they were written to individuals. Now, all of Paul's letters, every single one, as the father, as, as the caring person, he'd write to them and he'd start his letters and he'd end them all in the same way. He always started with the words grace and peace. And he'd end the letter with grace and peace to you. Now, you know and I know that that is just a greeting. Grace to you. If you were a Greek person speaking the Greek language and they said charis, which is Greek for uh, grace, it means grace be with you, favor be with you, may it be well with you. If you're a Jewish speaking person and Hebrew was your native language, then he would be saying peace, shalom to you. Or in Greek, it would be translated as irene. And that would mean peace be with you. Go well, health and prosperity to you. May it be well with you. So it was a lovely, gracious way of greeting both Jewish and non-Jewish Gentiles, uh, his letters and incorporating everyone in. Grace and peace. Every one of his letters starts with those words, grace and peace to you and ends with grace and peace. But when he wrote specifically to Timothy and to Titus, these were individual letters. They weren't to churches. They were to individuals. He added an extra word. He said, grace to you, Timothy. But then he said, mercy and peace. And same thing to Titus. Grace, mercy and peace. Why did he suddenly insert the word mercy? Well, I, I was looking into this and studying it out a little bit. And I'd like to suggest something to you. You see, let me give you some background. Timothy was a young minister. He'd just taken on the largest church in the world in Ephesus. It was a mega church in their standards in those days. He was young and he had no experience. So he had written or it's called out and said, Dad, Father, Paul, I need some help. How do I do this? How do I establish leaders in this church? How do I deal with widows and, and the food supplies and salaries? How do I deal with all of this? The church was growing at a phenomenal rate. It was growing daily, expanding and expanding from the left to the right. So he had this fantastic problem, but he was, he was, he was well out of his depth. Just like my kids were at university. Right out of their depth, and he, Paul writes these words to him, grace and mercy. You see, there's a mercy when you feel that you're swimming and you're drowning and the water's coming over your head and you can't cope and life is too big, the pandemic is too big, the lockdowns are too big, my depression is too big, I'm battling. God's word to you this morning is grace and mercy. There's a mercy available to you. That was the first book of Timothy where the church was growing. The second book of Timothy is a totally different story. Paul writes to Timothy, but this time the situation has changed and reversed. Nero is now the Roman emperor and he is now murdering Christians. Public opinion has changed against Christianity. And in fact, they were catching and locking up, putting in jail, persecuting and even slaughtering Christians left, right and center. And instead of the church now growing, the church was shrinking. People were abandoning their faith. They were leaving Christianity, going back to the old ways to save their skins. Even the leaders were defecting and leaving and giving up on Christianity because things were so dire. And in this really negative state of affairs, Timothy is crying out for help and Paul writes to him. Can you imagine as the young pastor of this mega church, what would have happened had the emperor got hold of Timothy? We know for a fact that he gets thrown in jail a little later. 
But could he have been really badly persecuted? This was in a terrible time. Oh man, I tell you what, when I heard that, I thought of what we're living today. No, it wasn't persecution like that. It's, we're not being murdered and killed like that, no. But I tell you what, we're in lockdown. There's a mental attack on us. We, we've had this for a year now. And is it over? I'm not sure it is totally over yet. And in this situation, Paul writes to us, who's inspired by the Holy Spirit as well. And he gives us his words, grace and peace and mercy to you. Could we take a look at a scripture, please? In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It says, you, therefore, my son, be strong in grace that is in Christ Jesus. Just imagine had my son's phone mean, Dad, I need help. And I say, come on, man, man up. You can do it. Uh, could, could I speak to mom? <laughs> Is there anyone else out there? Out of this dire situation when you're going through such hardship, is that the words to be bringing to the church now? And you say, be strong, man up. Come on, you've got grace of God. You can do this. I was hoping for a sermon from the Lord to say, oh, if I just do this, it's all going to be okay. Yes, the magic words, abracadabra, and your problems go away. And yet the word of the Lord came to me and said, stand strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We need to stand strong. 2020 is over, 21's beginning and just launching, and we've still got the pandemic, and there's still going to be drama coming up in the months to come. And the word of the Lord to us is stand strong. Now that word grace, stand strong in grace. You see, it's not a case of just standing strong in my ability because God knows I'm battling. My head and my mind, and I'm all over the place. And, and so I'm battling. I've got to stand strong in His grace. You see, grace we think and we know is unmerited favor. But some of us have taken it a little bit too far. We think that grace is an excuse to live any way I like. Grace is an excuse to be liberal and to break all the rules. I'm under grace. I can do anything. Um, it's, a, it's a case of grace overlooked sin. And that is so wrong. It's absolutely none of those things. Grace is actually God's unmerited favor. Grace is God's ability in my life. Grace is God's power in my life. Grace is his strength in my life. Grace is his help and his mercy in my life. It's God's ability operating in and through me. And so when Paul talks to Timothy, he's saying to him, be strong in God's ability, God's strength, in God's grace and mercy. You need to be strong in that. And that's how you're going to get through this pandemic. That's how you're going to get through the persecution. That's how you're going to get through all establishing of new leaders. Whatever the challenges that we're facing, we're going to be able to achieve it and do it through grace. If there's a job to be done, no matter what kind of circumstance or atmosphere that surrounds you, God's grace and God's mercy is here to help you in your time of need. Paul was sitting in jail when he wrote those words. He didn't moan and complain and say, look at me, look, I'm, please pay for me. I'm. He was actually ministering to somebody else, his spiritual son, when he wrote those words. Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 11, he says, what persecution and affliction I've endured. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18, he even says that out of the mouth of lions, God has delivered him. And he says, out of them all, the Lord has delivered me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mercy. 
We're going through a hard time. Yes, we are. I'm not negotiating that or trying to minimize that. But with his grace and his mercy, we can stand strong and we can still be standing at the end of 2021. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22 and 23. It says this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends, keeps us from destruction. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I want to say thank you, Lord Jesus. When I woke up this morning, there was a fresh dose of grace and mercy right there for me to make use of for today, to get through today. Listen to how important this grace was to Paul. He was writing to the church in Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, he says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can I just substitute a couple of words there? Instead of using the word grace, I could say, But by the ability of Almighty God, I am what I am. Or I could say, But by the power of Almighty God, I am what I am. Or I could say, but by the ability, the strength, the mercy, and the help of Almighty God, I am what I am. But by His grace, I am what I am. His grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. His grace is our empowerment. Church, this year, I can't promise you an easy ride. I can't promise you that everything is going to be perfect, that the, the vaccine is going to work. and that every, I can't promise that. I'm not God. I, I don't know what the future holds. But I do know that with His grace and His mercy, we can get to the other end and stand strong and still be standing. Paul carries on talking to Timothy. Let's read the next verse or two. Paul says in verse 3 and 4, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Paul is now drawing an analogy, a picture for us of a soldier. He was in jail, remember, so he's looking around. He would have seen the Roman soldiers standing around, and that was a great picture for him, and he gave it to us. We must endure hardship as a soldier. We need to stand firm and come out strong like a soldier. We're going to do what the commanding officer says we need to do. He used these words, endure hardship. Oh, is there anyone else there? Could I just take my Bible and look for another verse? I'm really not enjoying this sermon. 2021, we're just starting the year and you're telling me to endure hardship and I must just enjoy it. We are going to be doing it like a soldier. I want to show you a little revelation though. That word endure hardship, two words in English, but it's one word in Greek. In the Greek language, and I'm going to try and pronounce this, forgive me if I get it wrong, sankeikopathio. Sankeikopathio. Uh, that Greek word is made up of three syllables, and here they come. The first one is sun. Now, the word sun connects you to somebody else. We know that it, the word for covenant is santhiki, santhiki. So sun is connecting, joining people together in partnership. So the first part of that word is joining together. The second one is kaikos. Kaikos is something that is vile, something that is foul, something is wicked. I think of the pandemic. That's a great description, kaikos, of this pandemic. And the third word there is pathos. Now, pathos is suffering. That's what it means. But just be careful here. Not just 
physical suffering. In fact, the pathos word that is used there implies mental suffering the most. So if I join all these words together, the literal translation of that in English would be join in as a partner with the rest of us and face this vile, horrible, ugly circumstance that is all around you. And if you must undergo a little mental suffering to do this job, then brace yourself and go for it. That's in his essence what Paul is saying. He says, at the end of this, I want you to outlast this. I want you to still be standing, endure this. You're going to come out in the other end strong if you tap into his grace. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he actually says these words, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Paul is he's talking to them as soldiers. Fight the good fight of faith. And you say, but how do I do that? Well, if you've got your Bibles, and I know you do, come on, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to just read a couple of verses to us here in Ephesians. Again, this is the church that Paul, uh, Timothy was pastoring. In verse, chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brothers, from now onwards, my brothers and sisters, starting today, on whatever day of January it is you're watching this, start today, start doing this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Hang on, power, might? That is grace. That's exactly what he wrote to Timothy. Be strong in the Lord, in the power, in His grace, in His ability, in His mercy, in His help, and His, oh, can we just tap into His resources and put them in our life. Be strong in Him. And then he goes on to tell us how. This is what's so important. Read verse 13 and 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, that you may be able to stand. See that? You've got to stand in the evil day. Having done all, continue to stand. Verse 14. Stand, therefore. In the space of two short verses, he says three times, stand. We have to stand strong. How do I stand strong? I tell you what, my mind is going crazy. Another lockdown. You're kidding me. This is lockdown number three. How do I stand strong? I can't go shopping. I can't get my Greg sausage rolls. I can't get. Stand strong in His grace and His mercy. Stand. And then He gives us the clues of how we do it. Standing tells me that at the end of this, we're going to be still coming out and outlast and outweigh this pandemic. If we rest and wait and continue in His grace. Paul encourages us there in the scripture and he says, I want you to do the following six things. And this is how practically we can get through 2021 and the pandemic and the stress and the strife that we find ourselves in at the moment. Number one, he says to us in the very next verse, he says, I want you to put on and gird yourself with truth, the belt of truth. Now we know the word of God says, thy word is truth. The Bible is the, the, the written word, uh, word of God, logos. So we need to stay in the word. Paul is encouraging us and saying, guys, make sure no matter what pandemic, no matter what situation, whether you're feeling mentally unstable, whether you get hold of your Bible, get hold of the word, stay connected, watch a podcast, go back and listen to one again. Get the word of God. That is the primary thing, the most important thing. Everything. In fact, the Roman soldier, the belt, held everything. It held his sword. It held, in fact, they could hook the shield on it as well. It, even when the breastplate would clip to the front, it would lock it in place with 
the belt. The word of God is key to our armor, our defense, to be able to stand strong in these times. The second thing that Paul encourages and says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. I love this one. You see, last week I messed up pretty bad. The week before I messed up and the week before that. In fact, pretty much every week and every day I'm messing up. And I might feel, I, I can't come to God. How, how can I now ask him for his ability, his power? How can I ask him for mercy and to deliver me when I haven't lived? It will stop right there. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, when you're in Christ Jesus, you can tap into his mercy and his grace. He says, rather look at yourself as righteous. I turn my back on what I did or didn't do or my attitudes that were wrong in 2020. And right now I say, thank you, Lord, I am righteous. So I'm going to stand strong by his righteousness. I put on that breastplate of righteousness right now. I forget the stuff that's behind me. Thank you that the blood of Jesus just washes me clean right now. By what Jesus did for me, I am now pure and holy in his sight. So I am in right standing. That's what righteousness means. Righteousness means in right standing with Almighty God. Thirdly, he asked us to put on the sandals, the gospel of peace. You know, there's been a lot of us that over the last couple of months, we've got mad. We've had some anger management issues. And, you know, the government will say something and, oh, another. And next thing we start letting rip. We need to change what we say and how we behave with more of a gospel of peace. Sometimes we re retaliate because we're angry, we're frustrated and going through mental challenges. I know all that. I'm not diminishing that in any way. So we lash out. But Paul is saying to us, no, I want you to put on the good news. That's what the gospel is, good news of peace. You see, instead of lashing out at our government, we need to speak peace about our government. Unfortunately, social media is a tool that is so often a, where I have an opinion, therefore I can voice it. And Paul is telling us, watch your mouth, even on social media. You do not need to be promoting on social media every negative thing about our government. You do not need to be putting on social media anti-vaxxing and this YouTube video about this. And I'm fed up of seeing and hearing about political figures in the world and what they do and don't do. And have you heard this one? I don't care. The word of God says we need to be promoting peace in our WhatsApps, our Instagrams and whatever. We promote peace, the gospel, the good news and say, hey, Jesus is the one who's going to get us through. Since when was your trust in the government in the first place? Our trust has to be in almighty God. So we, we, we put a block on our negative and our anger and our frustration and we don't use social media as a venting tool. We don't, in our small groups, talk about each other in negative and the government and, and the pandemic in negative ways. We bring the good news of peace. Can we be agents this year of his peace? Fourthly, he says, put on the and take up the shield of faith. You see, the opposite of faith is doubt. You might be thinking, when well, I can't believe he's got grace and his ability and I can tap into it. Well, that's unbelief. Then you're not going to be able to empower, be empowered and stand. And you're going to crumble. But I'm telling you now to believe his words. Believe the Bible. Believe what he said. There is a power and a mercy available to you. And just say, Lord Jesus, I don't understand it, but I receive it and I'll believe it. You know, 
we're not asked to understand everything in the Bible. We're asked to read it and believe it. Maybe we need to just do that. Take it simple, like a child's faith. If you say so, Dad, so be it. The fifth thing that he asks us to do is put on the helmet, the helmet of salvation. Protect your minds this year. Please, would you do that? Go back to our podcasts. Claire and I were sharing a series a while back last year, and it is more relevant today than it was possibly even then. We spoke on a series on storms, uh, physical storms, emotional storms, and spiritual storms. Please listen to that again. We did another series, a four-part series on voices. It's probably the most significant thing we've preached in years. And you, we need to get it in our spirits over and over. I catch myself still today falling to those traps that we had mentioned in that series. Go back and get the Word of God. Protect your mind. Be careful who you're listening to on the internet. There are thousands of voices. Not all of them are good voices. And lastly, pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is once again, but this time the spoken Word of God, a rhema Word of God. When you take that belt and you take His Word and you can't start speaking it and meditating on it, it becomes a sharp sword and it's a weapon that we have against the enemy that can get us through any pandemic. My encouraging word for you for this year, stand strong. Stand strong in His grace. Stand strong in His ability. His might, His power, His mercy. God bless you.